Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, across the world on the... Whoa, that was weird. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Dukes Show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I don't know what's... uh... I don't know what's going on. There we go. We'll do it that way. Uh, hi, how are you? What's uh, what's happening with you and all your hot goodness today on this uh, this beautiful Wednesday morning? It is <sighs> the time flies, baby, <clears throat> when you're having fun, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. Time is just uh, flying by. Here we are. Already one third of the way through, um, one third of the way through uh, 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 January. Already, I mean, it's that's just that's insane. That is absolutely insane. But here we are, ready to go, and uh, we're ready to to tackle and talk about things that uh, that you want to talk about. So uh, we are all ready and. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do it to it. We're gonna do it to it this morning. All right. So uh, what do we what do we want to hit on? What do we want to hit on? Well, uh, I'm thinking that uh, I'm thinking that uh, today it's gonna be me and you, and we're just gonna share. We're just gonna share some time together. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna share some time together. We're gonna talk about some of the headlines. We're going to dive into it, and um, and just and just hang out. There are a lot of stories going on, and uh, that you know we need to discuss. Today is Wednesday, and the other day we got ch- chatting about uh, this idea of. Um, you know, uh, somebody was. We were talking about food security and the latest on the avian flu and you know, what's going on in the stores and so much, uh, so many other things. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I had said that we, you know, had that kind of that what if mentality. Let's talk about the what if, and so we're going to talk a little bit about some of that today, especially in light of some of the headlines that we've seen. This morning, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna chat about that, and man, we're just gonna have to be uh, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna be ta- we're just gonna talk about it. All right, uh, and on top of that, we're going to uh, open up the phone lines today. So we're gonna do uh, what if headlines, phone calls, discussions about the session. Anything else? I think that's it. I think that is. Uh, I think that's it. So we're ready to, we're ready to rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, we'll get, 
<laughs> Sandy in the chat room just said, I forgot about the avian flu overnight. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's one more hit with us. That's all we need. One more thing. One more thing to hit us with. But there's always something else around the corner, right? Always something. Around, and the only thing we can control, remember this, the only thing that we can control is how we respond. That's all we can that's all we can control these days is how we respond to everything that's going on out there. So get your head right. Let's respond. Let's have a plan. Let's respond to things and we'll uh, we'll do that, okay? Um all right. Um we are uh, we're going to dive into it. But let me just say first that I uh am opening I suppose if I was going to open the phone lines, I probably should turn the phones on, right? I mean, come on, Dukes. So uh, we're opening up the phone lines this morning, and we're going to give you a chance to sound off on anything that's, you know, in the news, things that are happening, things that are catching your attention. That's where we're going to start, and uh, we'll do that. Well, we'll do it now. We'll do it right now. Uh, phone lines are now open. If you would like to give us a call, we'd love to hear what you have to say at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Of course, the show today is sponsored by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Regardless of where you are in the state, from Kodiak to Cake, from Menchumana to Metlakatla, from Uktavik to wherever. I mean, wherever you want to be. New Exit. You could be in connection with the rest of the world, whether that is uh, whether that is uh, uh, via you know text message, via email. Uh, you want to just surf the internet. You want to make a phone call. Satellite West has got you covered. You could find them at SatelliteWest.com. So the phone lines are open, <clears throat> and we're ready to talk about a few things. Now, there are some headlines here, but I guess what I really want to do is kind of set up the whole show today um, for discussions on things like food security uh, and other things. So let me start off the headlines and the discussion on that. I also want to talk about education today. Um, I've got uh, some new stuff that's come in. And probably later this week or early next week, we're going to get a chance to talk to Sarah Montablano, who is with the Alaska Policy Forum. She's their education uh, researcher over there at the Alaska Policy Forum. She's put out a couple of good articles uh, about uh, the state of Alaska's education. And we can kind of use that as a counterpoint uh, to talk about some of the things that are coming on uh, in the session. And so we will uh, we'll we'll go through that this morning, and uh, and talk about that as well. But number to call in case I didn't say it before nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. We'd love to have you involved <clears throat> in the conversations this morning as we go through. So before I jump over to the phones, and we're about to we're getting some phone calls now. I can see the phone lines are are ringing. So before we jump right over to the phone calls, let me hit you with a couple stories that are going to set you up for what is happening today and kind of the what-if scenario that we discussed and are talking about right now. So the first story um, is uh, just kind of a reiteration of what's been going on uh, over the egg shortage that we're fe feeling here in the uh, 
in the state of Alaska. I mean, we're not the only ones that are feeling it. Um, but uh, up here in the state, you know, we obviously at the end of the supply chain, we're having a, you know, we're not having a great day. Uh, there's an article in KTUU by Carly Shrek that talks a little bit about it. We, of course, know that the a- uh, we know that the avian flu outbreak hit a lot of facilities in the state of Washington, and that's where we get most of our eggs. Um, is from the uh, state of Washington, and that's according to Mia Kirk, who's the Alaska Division of Agriculture interim director. Um, the and then the story goes on to talk about Don Dyer, who's the owner of Polaris Farms and Hatchery in Palmer. He said he's already sold out. Even before the egg shortage, he was selling everything he had. He said, in fact, he's increasing his flock by almost 500% this year. He's been a commercial poultry farmer in the Matsu for nearly a decade, and uh, he sells chickens and eggs, and they're they're just doing, I mean, bonzer over there right now. Um, and uh, according to the Alaska State Veterinarian, um, the uh, Dr. Robert Gerlach, The U.S. Department of Agriculture shows that over 43 million egg-laying chickens have been lost in the U.S. since the outbreak began in the early spring of last year. Now, Mr. Dyer, the poultry farmer in Palmer, says even if the outbreak ended tomorrow, it still might be a while before the commercial industry can recover. He said it's about a seven- to eight-month process to go from egg to, to a chicken that will actually produce. So this shortage is going to be, you know, at least seven or eight months. So they're saying that the flu is on the decline, but again, seven to eight months. So this is something that you want to think about um, as far as, you know, how things are going. The second story that I wanted to touch on, and again, I'm going to get to the phones here in just a hot second. But the second story is one that happened overnight for us anyway. Uh, overnight, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded all U.S. flights. Until about 9 a.m. Eastern Time, so just about an hour ago, the Federal Aviation Administration had stopped all ground, uh, all flights because they had a problem with their computerized online clearance system. This is something that uh, pilots are aware of. It's called NOTAM, which is the Notice to Air Mission System. And it basically lists any potential adverse impacts on flights. From runway construction to potential icing, it used to be a telephone-based system where the pilots would call into a you know a flight service station for information, but now it's moved online, and the whole system apparently went down early this morning. Now, the FAA did, again, lift that order at 9 a.m., but the delays and cancellations snowballed. More than 3,700 flights were delayed, and more than 640 were canceled. Uh, the only good news in that whole thing is that there are more than 21,000 flights scheduled to take off in the U.S. today. Uh, asked whether or not there was any evidence of a cyber attack, President Joe Biden said, we don't know, and told reporters that he directed the Department of Transportation to investigate the cause of the disruption. The FBI also did not immediately respond to requests seeking for comment. Um, and, uh, so this is something I think that we can explore a little bit, uh, just in, again, the what if scenario kind of thing. And we will talk about that as we go through this morning. So before we do that though, let's go over to the phones. Since we had some folks that uh, started off with us here, we'll go over there and see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you with us? Oops, I'm sorry. That's my fault. 
Let me not. Let me push the button you again. Better make sure all those hippies don't move up here, because those hippies move up here, then you'll be in serious trouble. <laughs> which which? Wait a second. Yeah. Which hippies are those? I mean, which hippies are we talking? Mean, what would what would cause the hippies to? I mean, why anything Extra that I just choice. said? What would what would cause you to think about hippies moving up here? Uh, I'm not really afraid of hippies, but I'm afraid that uh, everyone else is afraid of hippies. Okay. You know, oh my God, they grow weed. They'll be like on the side of the government and everything. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the random thought of hippies, uh, you know, c- coming to a lat. And I don't know many hippies who would be on the side of the government. I'll be honest with you. Well, maybe modern, maybe past hippies who are now, you know, more kind of the left leaning grandparents that they were. I don't know. But I don't know what would make you think that, hey, um, we need to make sure that the hippies don't come to Alaska. Uh, off of anything that I said this morning. I'm trying to find that leap of logic. I appreciate your call. Thank you for calling in this morning. Uh, but we are up against the break. So let's uh, let's just that's not an auspicious start to the show. Let me just let me just throw that out there. That's not an auspicious start to the show this morning. All right, we got we it's the hippie apocalypse. Uh, yep, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will be back uh, 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 and more right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Oh, I got some stuff here. Uh... Uh, delete, delete. I'm sorry. I'm cleaning up some spam bot in the chat room here. Uh, block user. Look at that. Uh, and delete comment and delete comment. Okay. Sorry. I was over here doing my thing. Uh, okay. Good morning. Good morning. Let's see. Spring is on the way. Um, what if the phones don't work? What if? That's the what if Wednesday. What if the phones don't work? Well, obviously they do work. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how anything that I said, uh, how anything I said would make somebody think about the hippie apocalypse. You know, yeah, but um, 
Um, okay. Isn't the FAA thing odd after the news comes out that the kid sniffing diaper wearing ding dong got caught with a box of documents in his Delaware office? Oh, uh, you know, yeah. Where's Mayor Pete? Well, he did say he had, I mean, the president did say, don't worry. I had a 10 minute conversation with Mayor Pete this morning and he's on it. That's what they said. That's what they that's what they said. They said that uh, he had a 10 minute conversation with Mayor Pete this morning and you can rest assured that they are all over it. <laughs> and Robbie says, I was a hippie. Uh, the hippie apocalypse. Uh, I just that's just hysterical. And uh, but yeah. And again, the hippies, I think, you know, are they going to side with the government? I don't know. Are we talking about old hippies or modern day hippies or what are we talking about? Uh, yeah, forget the zombie apocalypse. Look out for them hippies. Um, let's see. Looks like a great source of Alaskan produced chicken manure for gardeners to improve their soil. Um, were you reporting that the hippies are responsible for the egg shortage? No, but uh, I'll get right on that. Maybe we should put Mayor Pete on that. Uh, Mayor Pete, can you tell us about the hippies and the uh, egg shortage? Uh, uh, I sound like a robot. I sound like a robot? No. Now I sound like a robot. I mean, you know. Or, or now I sound like a robot. I'm not a robot, though, nor do I play one on TV. Um... There was a contemporary faction of the hippies that loved politics. Forgot what we called them, says Robbie. I don't know either. Um, but I just can't imagine that there's a bunch of hippies out there that are like, I love the government and I want to keep it going. I mean, you know. Looks like Walmart uh, across the state has eggs in Fairbanks and in the Kenai. I haven't checked here, but <clears throat> uh, well, I don't know what's going on. Um, speaking of hippie, all the women's styles that were in back in the seventies when I was in college are coming back in style, even some way out hippie stuff, kind of weird. And it's like, that's like the worst era of fashion, Sandy. My wife and I, I have a hard time even watching films, movies, or whatever that are set in like the late sixties and the seventies, early seventies. Cause it's just so bad. The fashion was just so bad. Now, give me a movies that's set in the, give me a fashion sense that's set in the 30s or the 40s, maybe even the 50s, and I'm okay with it. But yeah, the 70s, oof. That was, talk about the apocalypse. That was the fashion apocalypse. Man. Um, YouTube had the Battlestar Cylon thing going on. Oh, well, I don't know what's going on. All right, well, we're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's uh, get this thing going on. Here we go.
All right, welcome back to the program, and thank you for coming on board and joining us uh, for this beautiful hump day. Hump day. Middle of the week, ready to go. So, um, you know, again, talking a little bit here about this uh, what if Wednesday. It's kind of what we, because I said, you know, it's been a while. I used to do a segment probably once or twice a month where we'd take a Wednesday and we'd say, what if X happened? What if Y happened? What would you, how would you, you know, how, what are your plans? What are you making? You know, what is your plan for self-sufficiency kind of thing? And of course, the biggest uh, headlines lately have been around the shortages, you know, and it's not just the eggs are just the latest shortage, right? We've had supply chain shortages since the beginning of the pandemic. And one of the things that people really fail to realize um, is that, uh, you know, Alaska has always been on the bleeding edge of uh, of this uh, kind of supply chain shortage issue. Uh, many of you may not have been in the state long enough. Well, I guess you experienced it a bit during the pandemic, but I remember back in uh, back in Fairbanks in the was it the late nineties? Trying to remember um, where there was like a run uh, on toilet paper. It, I mean, it was like one of those things where I don't even really know what caused it, other than we had a delay in some barges, and some people went down and they saw that there was a shortage, so they got you know that the shelves were starting to get slim. And then they told their friends. And the next thing you know, I mean, there was literally a run on toilet paper. In fa- You could not find a, a, a roll of toilet paper for love or money at any of the uh, stores in Fairbanks. And, you know, that went on for a little while and it finally equalized again. But, you know, we, you've got to realize that we are we're not on the way to anywhere domestically. Right. I mean, internationally, yeah, we're. We're on the way to uh, we're we're on the way to somewhere internationally. You know, people flying to Europe or whatever they can stop over here. But as far as cargo hauling, we're not on the way to anywhere domestically. So when they bring stuff to us here, this is the final stop. Um, and so it's not just eggs. It's not just toilet paper. It's pretty much. Anything else that you find in your larder right now more than likely came from outside of Alaska. Now, am I proposing that we all, you know, go back to some kind of, uh, well, maybe that's where the hippies came in, some kind of hippie commune where we, you know, everybody shares everything. No, no, I'm just saying maybe we should start thinking about having a few things, oh, I don't know, on your shelf, in your in your own pantry you know, in your garage that you should have, you know, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of stored food, uh, you know, a little, little bit of canned goods, maybe a freezer full of stuff. And then maybe when you go down that you should, uh, you know, go to the big box store or to the warehouse store that you do buy, you know, that extra container of whatever it is, you know, maybe that extra case of, of toilet paper or the extra case of paper towels or something that you might need uh, and just throw them up uh, there on the shelf and know that at least at any time you've got at least one extra of something up there. 
Um, yeah, Jim is the same thing. He remembers, uh, he just mentioned, he remembers when Sam's Club and all the other stores had no rice in Fairbanks. There have been shortages from, uh, there have been shortages of, uh, of foodstuffs in this state on and off for the last 20 years, 25 years. There's been at one point or another, a sh- now it's always been really short lived, you know, really really short run but if it hasn't made you go hmm if it hasn't made you think when uh, when when those things have happened then i uh, i then you're not engaging your brain right um i mean a a a shortage of eggs is one thing shortage of toilet paper oh that's a whole other thing but what if it was something a little more important, you know, other proteins? Chicken. I mean, chicken breasts, right? This avian flu is not only going to affect the chicken for the laying market. You're going to have issues, um, you know, probably with the uh, with the whole poultry industry to begin with. And we'd already seen what the pandemic had done with the uh, with the with the meat supply. Uh, and now, of course, you had all that bacon, right? You had the big, uh, the the where they were literally the demand for many of these things had dropped enough that the pig farmers had slaughtered millions of uh, of animals without processing them because they just couldn't. There was no demand, and they couldn't afford it. So here's the thing: I'm not going to get into the where's and the why's and the when's of how do these things happen and is it some big conspiracy and which i mean short answer to that is i believe is no but i mean i'm not going to get into you know how all these things are happening but what i want you to think about is what if right what if so what what do you have um you know what what do you have on hand do you have Enough food in your, and I'm not talking about, I love it when, you know, the, when the stuff gets tough and things get real and everybody's in a full on panic mode. I have a buddy who's like, yeah, I went down and bought me a three year supply of food down there at the store. I got it. You know, I got me the, the buckets of food and I'm going to go put it on the shelf. And I, and I'm like, okay. So the first thing I said is, have you ever cooked any of that? Have you ever cooked with them? Well, no, it's stored, stored in the containers, 25-year shelf stable. Yes, but have you ever actually cooked any of that? Have you eaten any of it? Have you tried it? Have you had your, you know, have you had your your, your wife try to cook with it? Have you, t- you know, well, no, but it's because it's there for emergency. But have you taken one bucket and actually eaten it? You know what food storage was for me when I was a kid? Uh, you know, emergency food supplies. You know, you know what food storage was for me? An entire wall of the basement or the garage that was filled with racks of canned food, uh, what we were eating right now. But instead of, you know, two cans of soup, my mom would buy a case of soup. And put it on the can. I uh, put it on the on the shelf. You know, instead of one can of stew or one can of peas or beans, she'd buy a case of peas or beans. So that we had a, it was a whole shelf full of nothing but canned foods and some box foods and some packages. You know, some pastas and mac and cheese or whatever. 
That is the number one mistake that people make when they're looking at creating some kind of long-term food storage is they think it's got to be some kind of high-dollar mountain house, wise brothers, I mean, whatever, putting, you know, stacking buckets and cans and, and you know, and, and hermetically sealed containers of food. and No, you, you, you know what you need? What you've been eating right now. So the next time you go out to buy some groceries and you're going to need two cans of Campbell's soup for your next casserole recipe, buy a case of Campbell's soup. If you need a box of pasta for a, for a lasagna or a recipe, buy two boxes of lasagna or three and put them on the shelf. And pretty soon you'll have a full pantry of all these items that you use every day. And as you take one, you add it to the list and you buy one more. Yes, it could be Cheetos and coffee. It could be cooking oil. It could be, uh, you know, it could be margarine or butter or Crisco or whatever it is that you use in your cooking. Just have an extra one, two, three. Pretty soon, all of a sudden, you'll look at, I mean, I've got a rack in my in my pantry that is literally a rack that was built to rotate cans. You put it in the top and it rolls down. And here's my Campbell soup or my refried beans or my whatever it is that I just put in the thing. And I got a whole row of them. And the first one in is the first one out. It doesn't have to be that fancy. My mom built a shelf that had one side that was two inches lower than the other. She just bolted them together incorrectly, intentionally, and put a little strip of wood across the front. And it was the same thing. You pull one out, the rest of them roll down. Simple. Simple and easy. It doesn't have to be some kind of high-speed, low-drag, multi-million dollar, I've got to mortgage the house to be able to put two years worth of food away. On top of that, you know, talking about like the chickens and everything else, have you considered that maybe keeping a few chickens wouldn't be bad? I mean, we have, we eat a lot of eggs in my house. A lot of eggs. And uh, when we were, when we had chickens in North Pole, we had, uh, I think it was nine or ten, it must have been ten chickens. Ten chickens. And we, I mean, we, we would get, you know, seven to nine eggs a day out of these chickens. Seven to nine eggs a day out of these things. And I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't eat them all. So what do you need? You know, what do you need? Do you need five, six eggs a day? Well, then you only need, you know, or maybe two eggs a day between, you know, maybe how, how many do you need to keep yourself fed and healthy? Well, you know, get one and a half times that in the number of chickens. You got six chickens, you're going to get four to maybe six eggs a day. You know, so six chickens is not that big a deal. I mean, you know, mo most people who have chickens right now are just laughing because 
they don't have a shortage. In fact, most of them have a surplus, and they could sell you those farm-fresh eggs for whatever price they want at this point. I mean, this is... And, you know, this... It's funny because when we talked about this at one point, people were like, oh, it's just uh, prepper things. You know, we never called it prepping or survivalism or whatever the whatever the buzzword was. We just called it being an Alaskan. I mean, my mom was born and raised here. My grandmother at 80 years old living in a condominium. I remember opening up a pantry that was like a two, I mean, it was like a closet sized pantry. And the whole thing was just full of canned food and stuff. Why? Because my grandmother was born in a log cabin with a dirt floor out north of Manly Hot Springs. And the idea of going to the store was one trip every six months on a sledge that they had to drag into Fairbanks. So that was just called, that that was just your pantry. That was just how it was. But yeah, chickens, you know, uh, goats. Something simple. Now, you have to think about how do I feed them? How do I do that? But, I mean, chickens will eat just about anything. You know, scraps and bone, you know, scraps and meat and veg and and just, I mean, the chickens will eat all kinds of stuff. So, chickens are good. Rabbits are also good. If you like rabbit meat, they're quick and easy and uh, they they do a good job. But just start thinking about this kind of stuff. Just start giving it some consideration. And again, that is assuming that um, uh, that is assuming that uh, you, you know, that this like this this shutdown of the planes this morning, they don't know if it was a cyber attack. What if it was? And what if it grounded all because all the way those 21,000 flights also conclude included, all commercial uh, cargo delivery flights. That's all the flights included all the shippers and commercial airlines. So what if it was a cyber attack? What if it was a test? What if there was more to come? What if it was a disruption in the supply chain? What would you do? Uh, You know, I mean, that's, uh, I just want to know. All right. We've got to, uh, we got to, we got to take a break and we're going to come back and we'll continue. Phone lines are open, by the way. I didn't mean to bloviate quite so long on that one, but we will, we'll continue here. Take it to your calls. 907-433-3150. Love to hear what you guys have to say. We'll be back with more right after this on The Michael Luke Show. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, not just chickens. Time to plan for a garden this year. Peas, carrots, potatoes, and lettuce are super easy to grow. 
Yeah, I mean, you could have garden boxes. That's what we did uh, up in North Pole is that I built four by four foot uh, garden boxes. Um, and, uh, you know, with they had 12 inch sides on them. They were like 12, one by 12s and uh, and some plywood. And uh, I boxed them all up, put proper fill in them, did all that kind of stuff, put them up off the ground. Uh, on sawhorses outside the house, and we had probably eight of them. And, um, yeah, they were great. The, I mean, they were great. You fill them up, and we had lettuce, we had cucumbers, we had zucchini. I love the greens because you go out there and you whack off some greens for a salad and bring it back in, and another week later they'd grow another, you know, six, eight, ten inches. I love that. Um. All, all different kinds of things. Uh, just remember that what your chickens eat, so do you. Well, it's true. It's true. Although, Bill, I will remind you that pigs are made, bacon is made from pigs. And pigs will eat just about anything. <laughs> oh, man. Um, have you seen those freight farms? Good for a smallish community. I haven't. Uh, View has a like total of four basements, all built well above the nine foot water table. They are more like split level basements. So, okay. Better buy fertilizer. It's already scarce already. Yeah. I mean, we, we become dependent on all those things like the, you know, everything else. Um, for remote cabins, 10 pound cans of freeze dried food that you use when you're there are great. Don't have to worry about freezing. Absolutely. I mean, each thing has its, you know, I'm not saying that there's not a place in somebody's food storage for the long-term shelf-stable stuff. I'm just saying don't just buy it and put it on your shelf and say, there you go, I'm all taken care of. Because that's not how it works. And Devra also says, medication is something that everyone forgets about. Absolutely. I mean, and simple medication. You know, do you have a bottle? Do you have a couple bottles of Benadryl? Do you have some ibuprofen and acetaminophen? Do you have Pepto? Do you have, uh, you know, do you have the the one that so coats your stomach? Do you have the one that X-lax, the one that unbinds you and the one that binds you up? You know, do you have uh, iodine? Do you have, uh, you know, hydrogen peroxide? Do you have some simple medical supplies that, you know, just in case you need that? I mean, that's stuff that we just don't, you just don't think about. My basement is stocked up on all the basic things, says Terry. Don't need, don't eat chickens, but do need the eggs. Well, if you eat the eggs, you eat chickens. I'm just saying. I mean, I like both meat. I mean, I will find myself probably eating chicken a lot more than I eat beef just because, I mean, I like chicken. I think it's good. Um... And it, it was, up until this point, more inexpensive than beef. There's a lot of things you can do with chicken. Um, uh, what, I had a friend, I was at a, what was this? I was at a friend's house in Anchorage, and one morning had some rather tasty caribou bacon. It was given to him, so he didn't know what locker plant makes it, what locker plant in Anchorage can process moose or caribou bacon. I don't know. I don't know, but I'd like to try some caribou bacon. That sounds delicious. 
It just sounds really good. Uh, molasses is fertilizer. Um, uh, every, you ever had freeze-dried ice cream? It's pretty good. Yeah, freeze-dried ice cream is, t is tasty. Antibiotics, spices, flaxseed. Um, shout out to new people in the chat room. Good morning, new people. <clears throat> good morning, new people. I'm sorry. Let me do it. Good morning, new people. Welcome to the chat room. Feel free to say something. Um, pork is the most inexpensive meat you can buy right now. I love me some pork chops. Ham, bacon, pork chops, all the good stuff coming off that stuff. Have you looked at feed prices, says Sandy? About 30 cents per egg for the feed prices. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, all that stuff is expensive. But you can supplement, like I said. We took all of our, I mean, most of our compostable, you know, bits and pieces and chopped veg and, and apple cores and everything else. And we gave all that stuff to the chicken. They love that stuff. Um, uh, Brian Cherry. Uh, oh, uh, must be the freight farms. I'll, I'll have to take a look at that. I can't follow the link in the chat room. I don't know why. Okay. Um, we're going to, we're going to continue on. We're going to continue on. I guess I'll get back to the news because I'm not getting any phone calls and I wanted to get some phone calls, but we'll get things started. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, the phone lines are open right now at 907-433-3150. Um, <laughs> so we, we kind of got off track here a little bit of the What If Wednesdays this morning. <clears throat> and, I mean, that's been inspired by the, uh, the egg shortage, you know, the supply chain issues that we've been having in general since the beginning of the pandemic. And then, of course, exacerbated by the avian flu problem with the, uh, with the uh, chickens. And now we're facing what is potentially going to be a seven to eight month shortage of eggs because that's about what it takes to get the gestation going. Um, and so, you know, it got me thinking about that. Then we had the uh, the the grounding of all the aircraft that took place overnight, and the sterling reassurance from President Biden that we just don't know if there's any cyber attack. This is the quote out of the AP. While the White House initially said there's no evidence of a cyber uh, cyber attack, President Joe Biden said, "quote unquote We don't know." and told the reporters he's directed the Department of Transportation to investigate the cause of the disruption. He said, <laughs> he said I just spoke, I just spoke, I, I don't know how to pronounce Pete's name, Mayor Pete's, and I think that's why they ended up calling him Mayor Pete. 
I just spoke to Budigeig, and I don't know what the cause is, but I was on the phone with him about ten for about 10 minutes. I told him to report directly to me when they find out. Air traffic can still safely land, just not take off right now. We don't know what the cause of it is. Budigeig said in a tweet that he is in touch with the FAA and monitoring the situation. I'm so glad that, I mean, he could tweet about that. The FBI did not immediately respond to comment, but it's never reassuring when they say, we don't know. You'd think at least they'd say, no, absolutely not. Had nothing to do with the cyber attack. This was simply, you know, faulty equipment or something like So that, that, that makes it as, it has some questions. So when you think about that, if there was a coordinated attack on infrastructure by some unknown bad actor, and there were no cargo flights, there was a disruption. I mean, a la- let's face it, we are at the end of the chain, and I've said that before, but we only receive cargo. The majority of our cargo comes through the, uh, you know, the Tacoma ship, uh, you know, port, the port of Tacoma. We do get some from Long Beach, but most of it comes from Tacoma. If there was some kind of coordinated, you know, something or other against the infrastructure on the West Coast, you know, with the airlines and the boats, just think about that for a minute. The average store in Alaska has approximately three days worth of food on a shelf. Three days at normal consumption rates. And if something like that happened, we would be there would be any it would be anything but normal consumption rates. So all I'm think all I'm saying is, you know, when you go to the store to buy a can of beans, buy two. You get one box of mac and cheese, buy a second one. I mean, you know, what are they, a buck? Every time you buy canned goods, buy, you know, twice what you need and throw the other, you know, throw clear out a clean out a shelf with all that or a cupboard with all the stuff that you haven't looked at in two years. It's sitting in that cupboard and put some canned goods in there. That's all I'm saying. That I mean, that's how that's how true, real, usable, traditional food storage starts. You know, I need. One box of mac and cheese, I get two. One can of split peas, I get two. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you just start to build it up. All right, we're going to uh, jump on over to the phones here and see what uh, you guys have to say at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Travis from Burbanks. Hey, Travis, what's on your mind? Oh, I was just, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you this morning, and it, it just, I mean, technology is an amazing thing. But what did we do before all this technology? I mean, why does a, a system going down shut everything down and no flight can fly? I mean, right. they don't have a backup or anything? Right. Well, I mean, they used to have a phone line, you know, where you picked up a phone and you called and did that. But you're right. I mean, the the fragility of the system. I mean, you know, when did we start? I remember when grocery stores had huge back storage areas, right? I mean, where half the store or even two thirds of the store was actually 
warehouse space in the back. And now we've got just-in-time delivery. Uh, we become dependent on these new technological systems, but the fragility of the systems is what we forget about, right? Yeah. So I mean, I'm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Something, something as popular as not as popular, but a, you know, as important as flying. I mean, airplanes have redundant systems in case muted or fly-by-wire systems goes down. They've got another one, you know. It's but yet the uh, the system that tells them whether they can take off or not, it goes down and everything comes to a halt. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, that's where we you know, that's that's where we come to that point where why was the phone system? The phone call was not enough. We needed to make it online uh, and, uh, and and therefore, I guess, make it vulnerable. We don't know if it was a cyber attack or not, but uh, it could have been. And if that's the case, then you're right. Planes could still land. They just couldn't take off. Uh, and maybe it was an abundance of caution. Maybe planes still could take off if they really wanted to. But it's, uh, it's again, the reliance on technology and how fragile that is. And we forget about it, you know, until a boat gets missed in, uh, in Seattle and doesn't make, you know, the barge doesn't ship up and all of a sudden the shelves look a little thin. We forget about how easy it is for that stuff to get, you know, to break down. Absolutely. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for coming on board today. We appreciate you being part of it. Yep. Have a good day, Michael. All right. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. It's actually open line, open forum all day today because we don't have, uh, we ain't got, we ain't got nothing else coming on. So let's, uh, let's get into it and uh, get on with it and see what you guys have to say. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk a little bit about education. I think we've pretty much exhausted what I wanted to talk about in the what if scenario. So we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the session. We'll talk about the educational components. We'll talk about some good news coming out of the Department of Defense. And uh, what else we got? What else? I guess I, I mean, I guess that that puts us right um right where we want to be. Uh, don't forget, coming up on uh, this Friday is Firearms Friday, and we are working on a guest right now. Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine, I believe, is going to be with us to talk about the latest court ruling. I don't know if you've heard, but the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has deemed that the ATF's ban on bump stocks is not legal. In fact, it's extra legal and not constitutional. Due to the separation of powers, um, which I thought was a surprising, uh, a surprising ruling coming out of the uh, Fifth Circuit Court. And it was an actually an en banc panel of like 13 out of 15 judges ruled that it was not constitutional, which I thought was uh, pretty, pretty interesting, to say the least. But we'll talk with Jacob Selim, uh, for hopefully, fingers crossed, from Reason Magazine on Friday, and uh, we'll have some discussion on that. Plus, we should be talking with Chris Chang, Top Shot champion uh, from Season 4 of Top Shot as well. And, of course, Willie Waffle. That's all coming up day after tomorrow on Friday. Uh, tomorrow, I'm still working on some guests. We'll get 
we'll get back to that and we'll just see what they have to say. Uh, all right. Uh, out of time for this hour. We got more coming up. We'll hit some more headlines and we'll just leave the phone lines open for the next hour as well, because why not? It's hump day. Oh, the Michael Duke show. Common sense radio. Shana says, we're experiencing the fragility of the system with this show cutting in and out. Well, I don't know why the show is cutting in and out, Deshana. I mean, I, I haven't had any wonky sick. You know, some mornings I get the little flashing that says it's bad. But um, I I haven't seen any of that this morning. So I don't know if YouTube is any better than uh, Facebook this morning or just the audio only live stream. I don't know. There are there are some different things out there. Oh man, you guys have been like uh going on here. Uh let me see if I can get caught up. Uh Mike's Meats in Eagle River makes amazing moose bacon, says Terry. Michael uh, Mikhail Bradshaw says he doesn't use fertilizer. He says, I have several large worm bins. They eat mostly junk mail and cardboard. Great thing to amend the soil with. Yes. Well, there's a whole, um, there was a whole circle of life thing that, um, uh, that the, uh, what was the, what was the thing? So it was, uh, was it fish on top? No, I'm sorry. It was chickens on top. Worms in the middle, fish on the bottom. Like it was like a it was like a vertical. It was something I saw one time, and I thought, well, that is worked. I mean, it wouldn't work up here because of the heat and you know the freezing and everything else. But it was uh, they literally had a chicken, a small chicken coop on top with some birds in it, and then there was a whole bucket where all the droppings would go down in the earthworms, and then they'd feed all that to the fish on the bottom, tilapia or something else. Uh, I mean, it was kind of this whole circle. And then they'd feed the fish bones back to the chickens. Um, you do realize that Mormons have been doing this for years, not just for the apocalypse. Most of the, uh, most people are one to three paychecks away from starving. Yeah, I know that Nor Mormons have been doing this for years. I mean, that's one of their big things. Um, and it's it's one of the things that I that I think that is one of the most useful things you can uh you can do, and it's one of the things that I'm super glad that the church, uh, the Mormon church, is is putting out there. They've got whole things dedicated to this stuff. There, if you want resources on food storage, man, you could go to. There are plenty of church uh, affiliated websites where they have tons of this stuff, tons of information. Um, yeah, glass your extra eggs; they last up to a year. Uh, you mean glass them in water? Yeah, because I've seen that. You could make eggs last a long time. Um, let's see. Buttigieg. Uh, supposedly uh, minus 30 and I'd guess 15 to 20 something. Oh, must be talking about that. Must be talking about the, uh, is it freight farm? Is that what you were talking about? 
Brian. Um, freight farms. Yeah. Freightfarms.com. I'm going to have to go take a look at that after the show here this morning. Um, another thing to keep on hand are hand tools that don't require anything other than human power. I mean, yes. Saws and hand drills and a few other things that definitely would make things worth using for sure. Oh, Deshana. Oh, Deshana. I, uh, I cursed myself. Apparently I said I hadn't seen anything all morning. And the next thing I get is a big black screen on the one side. Um, let's go over here. Buttigieg pronunciation. Thank you, uh, Deshana. Um, going through here. Most people are just in are most people are just in time shoppers. That's the fact. That's the fact. Uh oh. Come on. Come on. We're waiting for the page to refresh here. Hmm. All right. Let me double check here. Looks like my connection to the internet just got janky as hell. So we'll see what, uh, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens in just a second here. Um, let's go over here. Um, my internet. Uh, all right. We'll see what happens there. Um, new comments. Anyone else lose the stream? Audio is on and off. Let me, boom, let me refresh this here. See what I can come back to. I'm having some serious issues here. Serious issues. Mm. Try again. Let's try again. Boom. All right, we're going to try and reconnect one more time. We are less than a minute out, so we're just going to pretend like everything's working fine, and we're going to get back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Let's uh, get to it. Here we, here we go. We're just going to jump into it. thing back in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal 
Welcome to the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Big Radio Broadcast. <laughs> and ironically, we were saying it's What If Wednesday. We had a whole conversation in the first hour uh, about uh, the, you know, the the infrastructure, the fragility of the system, you know, the the supply chain and all this stuff. And the last phone call we took right before the break was from a caller named Travis, who was talking about how we become so dependent on you know, technology and the internet and how fragile it is. And lo and behold, during the top of the hour break, um, my internet connection, everything, I mean, the whole thing just went down, apparently. I mean, just like slowly went away into nothing. And, um, but we made it back. We came, we came back. I mean, that's what we get for talking about the fragility of technology is the next thing you know, boom, everything goes away. That's uh, that's that's what happens. But here we are. Welcome. Welcome back to hour two of the big radio show. Uh, We were just talking about the egg shortage and, uh, you know, the 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 um, the FCC or excuse me, the FAA grounding the uh, the entire uh, United States airline fleet this morning. Uh, it was grounded for a few hours. They've now lifted it, but that that you know, it's got the ripple effect. So there's been plenty of flights that have been canceled and everything else. No, no word. In fact, the president said they don't know if it was a cyber attack that caused it. So lots of reassuring stuff coming up out of Washington D.C. right now, and it made me think maybe we should talk a little bit about being a little more self-sufficient in everything that we do. And uh, it just you know. And then, of course, everything, the platform, you know, poops the bed and and then we're done. But that's it. Anyway, so it was an interesting conversation in hour one. Now, let me just say here that the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you'd like to sound off, we'd love to hear from you this morning. We'll talk about, it'll be open line, open form. But I got some interesting stories here coming up into the remainder of this hour. No guests today, just you and me hanging out. Um, but we've got some stories that I think, uh, will, uh, uh, that are some good news. Uh, some that are some interesting news. We'll talk a bit about the session. We'll talk about some of the new pre-filed bills. We'll give a little discussion on education and we'll talk about whatever else that you guys want to talk about. Whatever it is that you guys want to talk about, we will chat about it, but you've got to uh, call in and, um, for that to happen at 907 407- 433-3150 if you want to uh, if you want to be part of it just dial up and let's get things let's get things rocking and rolling all right so 
Well, where do we start? Um, yesterday, we were reporting that uh, that Jenny Armstrong had won her. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, that Jenny Armstrong had won her court battle uh, over her candidacy and the residency requirement for her candidacy. The Superior Court Judge Herman Walker had issued his ruling, which. Um, said that she was eligible. Must Read Alaska had been reporting that uh, she thought that that was going to be challenged, and lo and behold, it was. Uh, a group of citizens have chosen to appeal the Superior Court uh, ruling, and uh, I guess it's going to, Superior Court is going to go up to the Supreme Court. Um, the, uh, the ruling uh, gives the plaintiffs little time to get a ruling from the Supreme Court on the matter before the legislature is sworn in on January the 17th. Now, the problem with this whole situation is that Armstrong has had various accounts of when her actual residency in Alaska started. Um, apparently, it was a little bit of a gray area when she first came to it. She can't remember. I can't remember exactly when I decided to become a resident. Which I think anybody who, um, well, I think I think some people find it hard to believe that that is the case. That all of a sudden you're like, well, it's the first, you know, when I went to run for office, it was really the first time that I thought about when was it that I actually moved to Alaska. I think most people, in fact, I mentioned that the other day and somebody said, I think they it was like June 9th, 1969. I remember the day that I landed in Alaska uh, to be, to live. I mean, okay. That's pretty specific. You remember, I mean, but you would think, you know, I remember the day that I I met my wife. I remember the day that I, you know, I remember all those days uh, because they were monumental to me. So I would think that moving to the great state of Alaska would probably be on your monumental checklist, right? Um, so a hearing has not yet been published, but briefs from both parties are due tonight at midnight uh, to the Supreme Court. I imagine that they will probably expedite the issue, but it still throws into limbo what is going to be happening with the House majority. Uh, because as it sits right now with Armstrong as one of the players, there is a 21 to 19 Republican majority. Although that really doesn't count because we know that Louise Stutes is going to side with the bipartisan majority. So essentially it's a 2020 split. Now, if Jennifer, uh, if Jenny Armstrong is, uh, is, it is decided that she is not qualified. Liz Vasquez would be declared the winner in that race. And then it would become a, again, a 21, 19 split. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be up. I, I imagine that we are not going to know what the majority in the House looks like, the state house. I imagine we're not going to know what the majority in the state house looks like for probably at least a couple weeks after uh, the session starts. Uh, I mean, I, I just imagine that that's probably what it's going to. I don't think it will go the full month that it did last year. But last go around, but I think that it will probably be 10 days, 10 to 14 days before we really know uh, what the makeup of it. And that's going to be important because that is going to help set the tone on what we expect to fight this year. Um, it is, uh, 
it's 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 gonna it's gonna be interesting to see because if the house does fall along the lines of the bipartisan coalition that it had last time then it will be working hand in glove with the senate majority and then it will be on the governor to stop any kind of expansion of government or something like that but if there is if the previous Republican minority is instead in the majority this go around, they can be a stopgap to help, you know, kind of some of the expansion of some of these things, whether it would be the expansion of the base student allocation or expansion of the um, uh, of the um, defined benefits program. All of those things can be slowed uh, and in some cases stymied by that, uh, you know, by having that kind of that split bicameral where the legislatures are kind of at loggerheads. you got one side that wants one thing and one side that wants another. That's what we want. I mean, it's really, that's the best case scenario right now. I had to laugh because everybody in the chat room is like, August 7th, 2018, January 9th, 1993, <laughs> April 9th, 2003, 1,630 hours. Um, yeah, I mean, people people remember when they came to Alaska. Uh, that's why I'm just I'm not buying this whole Jenny Armstrong thing of, uh, well, I just we never really gave it any thought, and I was thinking about it, and that's why I have three separate dates as to when I actually, blah 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 blah. Yeah, no, I just you know, I, but that's that's the thing. Uh, so anyway, we'll look. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on that and see what goes on with uh, this court case. This could have an interesting effect on the organization of the House uh, moving forward. Although I will say, I'm not hopeful that the Supreme Court will overturn what the Superior Court has done. Uh, it, the Supreme Court of the state of Alaska has not necessarily been a friend to the more conservative traditional uh, arguments of uh, of the various cases that it has been seen, uh, you know, seen fit to uh, to rule on here in the last few years. Um, OK, here's another story that is finally coming out here and a piece of good news. The secretary of defense, Austin uh, Lloyd Austin under pressure from Congress, finally rescinded his August 24th, uh, 2021 memorandum mandating that members of the armed forces and military under the Department of Defense Authority be vaccinated against COVID. The, the, the COVID mandate has been repealed. He also rescinded the moratorium uh, from November 30th of 2021, which attempted to force the vaccination of National Guard and Reserve personnel. That had been on hold because it was in litigation. Republican governors had pushed back on his authority over the National Guard and Reserve forces. Uh, he's acting due to a requirement in the established, uh, that had been established by the uh, National Defense Authorization Act for 2023, and uh, that had a uh, that had a uh, re- pulled the mandate so that they no longer had to do it. Uh, the new memo gives commanders discretion about whether to deploy military personnel who are not vaccinated for COVID. Mandates for other vaccines uh, that the military gives because they've you know they've got a whole list of vaccines that they want active duty personnel to be you know to be plugged with. 
um, uh, those mandates are unchanged. Uh, he said, as is the ability of commanders to consider as appropriate the individual immunization status of personnel in making deployment, assignments, and other operational decisions, including when vaccination is required for travel or entry into a foreign nation. Now, since they started the mandate, this is a this is a big chunk of stuff. Since they started the mandate, the military lost more than 8,400 personnel, men and women who refused the COVID vaccination and uh, that were required uh, under his command to take that uh, shot. Many were separated from the military for refusing to obey his order. Those who were released have reportedly received honorable discharges or general, uh, general discharges under honorable conditions. Austin also wrote that those who were discharged can petition their military service branch to ask for a change in the characterization of their discharge in their records, but he didn't indicate what changes could or would be made. Uh, but that's it. I mean, I, I say that I see that as a net net positive, right? A net positive that I mean, here they are. They finally uh, understood that this was not something that uh, that the general public was concerned about, and uh, and in fact, it uh, I think hurt the military more than anything else. That loss of ten of nine thousand personnel is definitely uh, a telling. Fact. I mean, I spoke to many people who had basically said the same thing. If this, is, if they're going to make me choose one or the other, I know which way I'm going to choose, and it's, I, in the long run, not going to be helpful to the country. All right, uh, we're up against the break. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Phone lines, by the way, still open. If you want to sound off on anything, up next, we're going to talk about. Some more of the pre-filed bills that are coming up and what we see happening in the next session. And we're going to be discussing education near the end of the show. Some of the latest from the Alaska Policy Forum. We're going to talk about that. It's all dead ahead. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay. Okay. I close that story. I could close that story. Let me go back over here. Okay. Uh, all right. Is this a rerun? Said Chris. Yes, it is a rerun, Chris. That's why I'm answering you right now. Um, the governor won't stop anything, says Terry. Uh, this state is a quagmire and we're all living in it comfortably. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Comfort, sometimes that comfortable area, sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes that comfortable area is includes a noose that you just don't feel because it's been there so long. Uh, 
Um, do you remember what year this came out? Mm. Too bad about the folks who were discharged for not getting the death jab, says Jim. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it would have been nice to offer reinstatement to anybody who left the military specifically for that reason. But they can only go so far. But they can only they can only uh, you know go so far. Um, trying to get conservatives out of the military. How many times can a person get COVID till they're till they have an operative immune system? Yeah. Um, with a general under honorable circumstances, after six months, you can drop paperwork for it to be reviewed to become an honorable. Um, that's and this is this is I think Anthony is hitting the nail on the head here. That's nine thousand people's careers entirely derailed for security theater. I struggle to find anything positive about sacrificing our service members for politics. Yep, yep. Um, Steele says over on Twitch, he said we're homeschooling. Good for you, man. Yeah, we're going to talk a little about the state of education. And I got to be honest with you, when you hear these educational statistics that I'm about to drop on you, some of the truth bombs that I'm about to slap you with, you'll be glad you're homeschooling. You know, we'll be glad you're homeschooling. Um, <laughs> Brian says, Q Pink Floyd. And I can say, welcome to the machine. That's all I can think of right now. Um. Think about all the training dollars lost, continuity and experience. Military red readiness is is severely impacted. I mean, yeah, they spend millions of dollars training these. Uh, they spend millions of dollars training uh, these soldiers and everything else, and then they get them out over this vaccination requirement thing. I mean, how many? I, I just the the waste, the waste of lives, the waste of time, the waste of money. It's it's insane. Welcome to the machine. Um, all right, look at that. I got caught up on uh, I got caught up on all the comments in the chat room for the first time for the first time today. got caught up in the chat room. That's awesome. Okay, so this is where I ask you to please, please like and follow our Facebook page. If you haven't done that already, please do so. Like and follow the Facebook page. Uh, that helps us out. But more importantly, if you haven't gone over to YouTube, and I know most of you are listening on Facebook, do me a favor. Go over to YouTube, type in my name, just like, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube. Would you do that for me? Please. I'm begging you with tears in my eyes. Please um, go over there and like and follow the page and ring the bell on YouTube. I got to get to a thousand subscribers. To get to a thousand subscribers, I can open up all kinds of new things on the program. But I need a thousand. I'm at like four hundred. I got four thousand people follow me on Facebook. I just need a thousand of them over on YouTube. Please, begging tears in my eyes. All right, I'll stop demeaning myself for now. Here we go.
Okay. Open line, open forum today. Open line, open forum. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. Uh, we got one line on hold because I didn't see the phone ring. So let's uh, go over there first things first and see what uh, you have to say. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Truman Cleveland. Hello, Truman. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm from Fairbanks, and I live here. Muted. Five years, and uh, and uh, I live right in the middle of Fairbanks. You know, right in the forest. I built. I started off in a tent, and now I just put up plywood around my tent, and okay, it's a house, but. You know, I've been thinking that, you know, people are having a hard time because of the COVID and all that. And, you know, when COVID begins, I didn't realize what it is. And because I heard of it, I live around here in Fairbanks, people got COVID, I guess. And, um, but, I never did get it because I stayed away from people and I just live in the forest. Okay. Right now, I'm having a hard time. You know, I went to the food stand area down in State Building and applied a month ago, and I don't know what's going on with the food stand program. I guess... It's being affected by maybe the White House because Biden's maybe he's trying to cut uh, organizations like that. But I don't know. But it's getting hard, you know, because I'm living on, I don't have electric. I just live on plain propane. You know, just it's dangerous too. You have to know how to live in a right poor place. Right, right. Be drinking and stuff because I don't drink. That's why I live where it's harsh. So I don't, but some support like. Food stamps. I don't know. It's so are, I kind of need it because. Well, so I guess what? Well, let me. I don't know if there's any way you guys can. Yeah, let me let me ask you a question. I mean, are you, you are are you? I mean, are you you? Yeah. Are you upset about the 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 COVID vaccine, the mandate, or is it just? Are you just? You know what? What are you trying to tell us here this morning? What what message do you want us to come away with in your call this morning here? Oh, uh, you know, I thought the organizations like uh, where the state building runs, like food stamps and all that shebang, would be um, affected by the COVID. Because I, I tried, I tried 
I renewed my food stamp, but I haven't heard it for almost a month. So right, I don't know. I'm concerned of it. And well, I mean, I know that many of those the cold here and yeah, running out of food and all that shebang. So yeah, I was just concerned. So well, hopefully there, it, it helps out with other people that. Yeah, and look, it's being reported that, have that it's being reported help. that the state, uh, that the health and social services um, are behind. It's being stated that that though you know that COVID and uh, the number of cases and everything else has put them behind. So they are behind the power curve on that, um, and they're supposed to be getting caught up. But you probably will see stuff come to you here shortly uh, in that regard. Um, so. Good good luck to you, my friend. Good luck to you. Thanks for listening. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. All right. So uh, the pre-filed bills are out. We've got the next batch of pre-filed bills. 63 bills and five proposed constitutional amendments are going to be part of it. Now, there is another release. They're going to be releasing... Another batch of pre-filed bills is set to be published on Friday. And so we'll see even more right now than what we have uh, uh, here in the beginning. The repeal, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, the repeal of ranked choice voting is going to be um, kicked around. Two members of the House, uh, Sarah Vance and George Rauscher, have uh, legislation ready to go, and Mike Schauer in the Senate is going to introduce companion legislation to that. Uh, Probably not going to get very far uh, because Gary Stevens in the Senate, who is the Senate president, has already said that it's his preference to keep ranked choice voting. He said, I think it worked fine. (laughs) This is the the whole adage of working as intended. Working as intended. I think it worked fine, he said, and I think that we should give it a chance to see if it works in the future. <laughs> so, Then you've got some bills on com- uh, campaign contributions and election laws. Uh, Scott Kawasaki has got a piece of legislation that would put a new $700 per person campaign contribution limit and another that would create an absentee ballot tracking system, among other election changes. Shower, of course, has got his concerns with uh, election security, you know, talking about the 2020 cyber attack. Uh, he led efforts to rewrite the state election laws and is going to reintroduce similar bills this year. One of his bills, according to the ADN, is geared towards clearing up the state's voter rolls after a bipartisan committee plan failed to pass. Another measure would implement uh, multi-factor authentication security systems for voters described similarly to using an ATM card with a PIN. Um, and uh, But the repeal of ranked choice voting, again, has just very, very little chance of moving forward. Uh, schools and pensions are going to be the top priority. Everybody said that. There is no, this is no secret. Schools and pensions are going to be tippity-top priority. Uh, Andy Story in uh, in the House uh, from Juno is increasing uh, is putting a bill in to increase the base student allocation. Um, she's reintroducing something that she it was the same thing she had last year. 
A similar approach is going on in the Senate. Stevens, Gary Stevens, said that there would be a discussion of trying to increase uh, that uh, and tying the education funding increase to improve student outcomes. He said uh, another priority is for the Senate majority to debate a new pension plan for state workers and teachers. Going back to Jesse Keel, uh, he said that he, or he is pre-filing legislation that would implement a defined benefits program retirement scheme for all state employees, teachers, and municipal workers. Let me just let me let that sink in for just a minute. All state employees, teachers, and municipal workers. So cities, boroughs, municipal workers. Now, he did say there's not been a cost analysis done on this bill recently, but the goal would be for it to be cost neutral in the long term. Show me. You want a defined benefits retirement plan for all state employees, all teachers, and all municipal workers, and you want it to be cost neutral. Auntie Josephson introduced legislation two years ago that would have put defined benefits uh, in for just law enforcement, correction officers, and firefighters. And that was going to cost between four and seven million dollars a year. Now you want to put in a retirement scheme for all state employees, teachers, and municipal workers. And you want it to be cost. I mean, there hasn't been a cost analysis done, but I really want it to be cost neutral. Wow. I mean, just wow. I mean, we are still, I mean, what is it? I don't know if Donna Ardwin's in the chat room and could tell us exactly, but the last that I remember, it had been brought down the the unfunded liability from our first defined benefits pension plan. Uh, it had been $12 billion in unfunded liability. Last I heard, it was somewhere between $7 and $8 billion. We'd, we'd, carved, we'd carved a big chunk of it up. But it is billion plus billions of dollars in unfunded liability for the previous defined benefits pension program. And you want to put a new one in, but you want it to be... You guarantee it will be cost neutral. You want it to be. Wow. Just freaking wow. But, I mean, this folks, this is the direction that they're going. A defined benefits pl- program for every, you know, for every state employee, for every municipal, for every government employee, all the, the whole thing. You guys, they're all getting the gold-plated Cadillac Defined benefits program. Sucks to be you if you're not one of those people, right? I mean, this is the this this is the thing. Seven billion. Thank you. Donna was in the chat room. Seven billion dollars in unfunded liability for the defined benefits, the tier one, two, and three defined benefits program. That's how much our unfunded liability is currently today. Now, we, we killed the defined benefits program and went to a defined contribution plans, the tier four. We did that like almost 10 years ago. And here we are still owing billions of dollars and let's go for it again. 
Let's go for it again. I mean, these are the same plans, by the way. Remember, the federal government, remember they had to go bail out GM and Delta Airlines and a handful of other major companies in America when their defined benefits programs exploded? Municipalities and states across the country have had nothing but problems. Illinois, uh, Donna says, the defined benefits plan killed the state of Illinois. I mean, what could... What? Seven billion dollars already. And they want to add to that. I mean, that they, they just, you know. Yes, it sounds like the session can be summed up, says Brian in the chat room. It sounds like the session could be summed up with looting the state coffers. That's what it sounds like. I mean, you're not you're not wrong, my friend. You are not. When I read that and I read this whole thing and I had not seen that quote previously. That he want uh, he wants a defined benefits retirement scheme for all state employees, teachers and municipal. This isn't just, you know, it was already bad enough when we were talking about just first responders. Right. When we were talking about. Uh, firefighters and police officers and corrections officers. That was bad enough because you knew that there would be a court challenge that would say, oh, well, if it's good enough for one, it's good enough for all. So you've got to cover all state employees. Now it's not just state employees. Now it's state employees, it's teachers, and it's municipal workers. I mean, are, are we just working for the government at this point? We're just paying all those bills? Meanwhile, the rest of us are out here trying to figure out what to do with our own retirement or how, how do we get a retirement. But as long as it's gold-plated for all those government employees, it's okay. My brain freaking hurts. Just absolutely hurts right now. All right. We got to go. We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing and radio. Phone lines are open. I mean, what do you think? I mean, are you in favor of a defined benefits program for pretty much everyone but you, unless you work for the government? Or should they continue to do what we're having to do, which is define contributions, defining how much we want to put in, and then managing it? We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, how can something like that be cost neutral, says Tyler? You know, Tyler, there is a woman in the chat room who's much smarter than I am on this. Well, you should ask Donna Ardwin. Donna Ardwin, is there a way that defined benefits can be cost neutral? Because I, based just on the philosophy of defined benefits, I don't see how it can, because you cannot anticipate what the needs are going to be in the long run. Because it's, it's again, it's a defined benefit. You're going to get X no matter what. 
doesn't matter how much X costs. It could be higher, could be lower, but there's no way to project. So how in the world can you project whether something is going to be cost neutral? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Um, what could go wrong with a coalition in the Senate, says Scott? Yeah, it's a good question. He would like it to be neutral. Um, let them eat cake should be the theme of the uh, session. Must be a nice retirement plan for state workers. It's not just state workers, though, Chris. I mean, that's what they think. If Keel gets his way, it's all pretty much all state and municipal employees. State employees, teachers, and municipal employees. Um... Keel says, Keel Mo says, well, I personally left state employment because their tier four is BS. So the state needs to do something. Turnover extremely expensive for the state. It's not the fault of current that earlier tiers were too high. So I'm assuming that you left state employment and went and found another job that had defined benefits, Keel. Is that what you're saying? You went out and found a job that had a had a different, had a different uh, you know, or are you now working at a job that has a defined contribution plan just like the state did? just like all the rest of the private sector does. Because you don't find defined benefits in the private sector anymore because, again, it bankrupts country, uh, companies and countries, counties, municipalities. I mean, I would love for my employer to match my contribution and give me and pay into my retirement a defined contribu contribution amount. I don't see how that's BS, other than I guess I could assume it would be BS in comparison to a defined benefits program. Absolutely, it's BS compared to that because it's not it's 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 not as lucrative. I mean, but show me where it's, you know. There's got to be some ancillaries and some comparatives in the private sector for stuff like that, and you just don't see it. Um, so is your house paid off? Um, uh, let's see. I'm still going through here. Uh, the dysfunctional U.S. House of Rep House Republicans come together without a coalition. Pray the state house ours keep it together. Um. With a defined benefits program, Alaskans will need to be taxed to support the government workers. How about that? Some, uh, same as allowing districts to negotiate employee costs. Okay. Uh, not with Alaska's constitution, which is the same language Illinois' constitution has. Other states can make their cheap DB plans with significant employee contributions, but not in Alaska because of the constitutional constitutional language. Um. Uh, put it put a undefined with a reserve. Okay. Defined benefits, says Chris, does work when managed properly. The government can't manage money very well. Understatement of the year. Again, I guess that's the problem. But we again see historically, case after case after case of not just the government but of private sectors. You know, again failing miserably with defined benefits programs. I mean, that's the thing I could never understand. I mean, I guess if you were the recipient, it's great. You'll get health care until the day you die, no matter what it costs. That's a defined benefit. Great. Versus, 
You have to put money away to plan for the. I mean, but again, the problem with defined benefits is you can never anticipate what the uh, cost of said benefit will be. You you can never. I mean, you can guesstimate. You can maybe close. But all it takes is for one actuarial to screw the pooch, and then the next thing you know, you're $12 billion in the hole. I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing. Okay. Well, um, we're coming back into it here. We are, I guess we're at the final segment already. Well, that was quick, wasn't it? Um. And we got one call on hold. Uh, caller, who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Joanne calling from Fairbanks. Okay, Joanne, hold the line. I'm gonna. I'm about to rejoin the radio, so we're gonna start off with your phone call, Joanne. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Oh, you heard it. You know it. You mean it. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Here we go. Okay, uh, we're back. Final segment of the show today. Got a couple lines on hold. We're going to start off first with Joanne up in uh, Fairbanks. Hello, my dear. How are you doing this fine morning? Well, I guess I'm doing as well as can be. Hi, Michael. Yeah. I can hear you. Hey, I, just, I wasn't sure you could hear me. I'm doing as well as can be expected. Considering all the news that we get. Muted. Yeah, no. One of the reasons I'm calling, the main reason is somewhat irrelevant, but it isn't. There's a, there's a song that was recorded by Ann Murray. Oh, probably back in the 70s. Sometime around when the Iran thing was going on and uh, President Carter couldn't straighten it out and yada, yada, yada. The song is called, We Sure Could Use a Little Good News Today. She recorded the song, uh, never thinking too much about it other than she thought it was a good song or she wouldn't have recorded it, uh, but she sang it to a group of people, probably a couple thousand people, at a particular program that she was at, and they went crazy when she finished singing the song. She could not believe it was that great a song at first. Well, what it is, is just a, it's a song to cheer you up and make you feel better because all we seem to get anymore is not very good news. It's, it's been constant and it's going on over, over a period of some years now. And I thought maybe someday you might be able to play it just, just to hear it or just listen to it yourself and think about whether it's worth playing. People need something to cheer them up and that song could do it maybe. No, I mean, I agree. Uh, I mean, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why, and I haven't, I've obviously already started to fall apart on it, but I'm trying to do at least a few good news stories every uh, every week because you're right. We do need a little good news. We need a little good news all the time. It's what keeps us going. We know that bad news sells, but good news is good for the soul uh, because bad news can be just, 
you know, depressing uh, and uh, and frustrating and and really, you know, bring down your spirit. So you're right. Uh, unfortunately, I can't play um, I can't play any music, uh, copyrighted music on the air, but uh, I will go listen to it. And uh, and and we'll I'll, I know the song, but I'll I'll go refresh myself with it again. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you are right. We need, we do need good news. And I remember the Christmas show you did. That was really, uh, it was uplifting. It was a wonderful thing to listen to and a good break away from all the other garbage that we do listen to. Oh, yeah. No, the Christmas show was definitely, I felt so good that week because it was nothing, no politics. It was just nothing but storytelling and catching up with people and remembrances and everything else. And, um, I mean, I'm already looking forward to the next Christmas show because uh, we're going to do the whole thing again. We're going to do the whole week. Nothing but uh, nothing but uh, uh, politic-free, just storytelling and sharing and fun like that. It's going to be a great time. But, yeah, I appreciate that, Joanne. Thank you for calling in, my dear. You're welcome. You take care. All right. Let's go over to the other phone line to see what folks have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, this is Carlene in Kodiak. Hello, Carlene. Um, several things. Jeremy and the Nilchik about the hippies. That just gave me quite a chuckle. My daughter asked one of our employees, are you a flower child? And it just brought back, at this age, a lot of memories. And then the Anne Murray song sounds wonderful. But your caller that lived in a tent and then built a cabin around the tent, um, in Kodiak, we have a food bank, and it's at the Salvation Army, and it's certain days of the week. I don't know what day. And then we have a homeless shelter, Brother Francis, and it seemed like there were many families that ate there every night, and you don't have to spend the night. But on the borough assembly meeting, I listened on the radio, um, one of the assemblymen said that there was still COVID money that if people needed help, you know, through the homeless shelter. But there right. are places there, and people you know, come on hard times, and it, it just happens so that it's not a shame. Um, right. There's help. So well, just, just, you might need to call, maybe the churches, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's ironic that you bring that up because there was uh, a time, uh, I lived on Kodiak for a while and worked as a commercial fisherman, and there was a time where there was about five weeks that I was out of work, and I actually ended up going down to the food pantry down there, and they gave me a little an apple box that had, you know, some bread and some peanut butter and some food in it. And I took a box once because I was out of work and out of money, and I was looking for another. And I I only had to do it once, but it was sure nice to be able to eat a little oatmeal and and uh, and have a banana and and uh, and eat a peanut butter sandwich uh, for the next uh, you know three or four weeks before I was able to get onto my next job. And that was uh, it. Definitely helped out. That's for sure. This is a good organization. They do a lot of good things. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you, Carlene, for coming on board and uh, and sharing with us today. It's good to hear from you. Um, all right. Well, the phone lines are open. We're down to the last six minutes. I wanted to get into this discussion on education. I guess I'll just hit you with a few of the highlights. This is from the Alaska Policy Forum. Sarah Monteblano is the uh, she is the researcher 
over there at uh, the Education Researcher over at the Alaska Policy Forum. And she has just put out the Alaska Education Freedom Report card uh, in January for spending. And there are some shocking numbers in this. And I'm trying to get Sarah on the program. I'm hoping maybe we can get her on tomorrow. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, if so, this should be a very, very interesting conversation. Uh, education spending is the second largest category of spending uh, in the state budget, right? $1.67 billion in fiscal year 23. Remember that next time you hear a news story about how we just haven't funded education enough. We just haven't we just haven't given enough and the schools are hurting. 1.67 billion dollars last year alone. The Heritage Foundation ranks Alaska as the ninth highest spending state nationwide. After adjusting for our cost of living, that's $18,615 uh, per student. Meanwhile, the U.S. Census Bureau says it's about $18,313. Uh, precise figures on per-pupil spending, according to Sarah, uh, do vary. Some estimates put it at almost $21,000. Now, the Census Bureau's U.S. average on per-student spending, per-pupil spending, is $13,400. So we already spend a third more than the average. Some rankings are placing Alaska's spendings as fourth nationwide behind New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey. We are spending a tremendous amount of money. Now, what do we get for that? Oh, well, we don't get anything really good because the students' out overall scholastic outcomes for average scores in the different tests um, are pretty low. Despite being some of the highest spenders in the country, Alaska came out average of 49th nationally in 2019. In the 2022 exam, which quantifies the degree of learning loss that students experienced. Alaska's students performed poorly compared to the rest of the nation. Again, Alaska was 49th in fourth grade reading. For 49th in fourth. Wow. Wow. The rankings also consider the teacher to non-teacher ratio, which intends to qualify how much of the school spending has resulted in administration, school administrators, you know, not people who are in the classroom, not investing in teachers and resources in the classroom. The Heritage Foundation that there were 0.79 teachers for every non-teacher in Alaska schools. That means for every four teachers, there were five administrators for every four teachers. Four, five non-teachers in public schools for every four teachers. I mean, and we are 49th in the, the, wow, oh, just Lord. And, and talking about the, the defined benefits plan, unfunded pension liabilities for the Alaska Teachers Retirement System, that's the TERS, that's the teacher side, $1.86 billion in unfunded liabilities in the teacher side alone. Those are just a few of the stats that I thought I would throw out there. I mean, we're going to, like I said, we're going to try and get Sarah on here to talk about this more because this is just mind blowing how much money is being poured in education. And it's obviously not working. 
More money, I don't think, is the solution. We've got to address and say there's something fundamentally broken here. How do we fix it? That should be the discussion. Well, we'll see what happens from here. All right, folks, that's it. We're out of time for today. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Well, that does it. That does it for today. We need backpack funding, says Tyler. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, I could not agree more. I could not agree more at this point. All right, my friends, we appreciate you guys coming in board, uh, coming on board and um, hanging out with us. And we will uh, we'll see you tomorrow, okay? Make sure you're here bright and early. 6 a.m., The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show